Well, uh, brothers and sisters, we come to a very special message this morning. I really, I really treasure this outline very much, and I, I just pray that the Lord would speak to each one of us, even as we read through the outline. And you can see the title is uh, Experiencing. I love this title. Experiencing. Is, does everybody have the, is everybody on the right page? Okay. All right. Now I want you to look at this. Experiencing the appearing, transfusing, vivifying, and migrating God of glory. How about that? Did you ever consider that God was a migrator? Hallelujah. He's the appearing God of glory. We want Him to appear to us this morning. Lord, appear to each one of us. He's the transfusing God of glory. You know what this meeting is for? It's for transfusing. Oh, Lord, transfuse Yourself into us. You know, we have the word infuse, right? We have the word transfuse. And we have the word suffuse. Have you ever heard of the word suffuse? Anyway, that's on the outline. You'll see that later. You know, infuse means means something from within is, is being dispensed into your being. Transfuse, that implies a... A, like a transfusion from one person to another, from Christ to us. Suffuse means to spread gradually through our entire being. So, He is the transfusing God, He is the infusing God, and then He, he is suffused throughout our entire being. Brothers and sisters, I want God to be transfused into each one of you this morning. So our hearts have to be fully turned to Him so that He can infuse us with Himself. Not only that, He is the vivifying God. Aren't you glad? uh, Do they still sell this thing called Vivarin? They do. Oh, that's not good. Vivarin. Vivarin is like like caffeine, right? It's like, uh, what is it, 200 milligrams of caffeine? It's worth like two cups of coffee or something like that. And then they have these energy drinks, right? Oh my goodness, those things. You, you know, I would be afraid to take one of those things. But praise the Lord, we don't need one of these, right? We need Lord Jesus. And He vivifies us. We need to be vivified. That means we can say that He is the vivifying Spirit. Vivifying is a synonym for life-giving. He is the life-giving God of glory. And He is the migrating God of glory. You know, Sean, if I, could I use you again? Thank you, brother. See, Sean represents us. And here Sean is. He's on the bridge of time. This is the bridge of time right here. And so, here is God. He's in eternity past. And He migrates out of eternity past onto the bridge of time. Can you believe that? He migrates out of eternity into, you know, into time, right? With His divinity into humanity. He comes into the womb of a human virgin. And then He's born as a God-man. He passes through human living, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. He becomes the all-inclusive, life-giving, sevenfold intensified, compound, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Spirit. And then Sean is here on the bridge of time. He represents us. And one day Sean turns to the Lord and he calls on the Lord's name. Oh, you have to call better than that, Sean. Lord Jesus. Oh, you're a horse. You've been calling so much you lost your voice. Praise, Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, no problem. No problem. Lord Jesus. Okay, so <laughs> you don't have to tell Sean to be vivified. He's vivified. Okay, so he calls on the Lord, and then this migrating God who's migrating on the bridge of time migrates into His Spirit. You see this? And now He's still migrating within us. He's spreading from our spirit into our soul. He, he, He regenerates us in our spirit. Then He sanctifies us in our soul with His holy nature. He renews us with the newness of His life. Right? And then He transforms us with His glorious being. It is a... It is a... Sean, when did you receive the Lord? Like very young. Yeah. When you were very young, very right? Late, yeah. yeah, but but you weren't always on fire, right? No. <laughs> you, no. <laughs> you, 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 you were one time cold, right? Oh, very what young. happened to you? I got 
vivify. <laughs> it's it's probably you probably have a story you could yeah, tell, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you're on the path of transformation. You see, so Sean, how many years ago would you say that happened? Uh, it will be three years in, in November. Three years in November. Okay, so let's go. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's go back five years. Sean is like this. And someone says, oh, what a wonderful day. He said, it could be better. Right? <laughs> Me too. Me too. But the Lord came into him. And now he's on the path of transformation. Now, transformation, what a great miracle. Look at Sean. He went from this, could be better, to this. Hallelujah. That's transformation. That is a miracle. Do you realize what a great miracle that is? I cannot tell you. I could just stop here and sit down. I'm not kidding you. I mean, transfer, but I won't stop. Transformation is such, regeneration is a great miracle. One second you're, you're a sinner. The next second you call on the Lord. You, you receive Him as your life and Savior. And He comes into your being and you become a child of God. But then we're passing through this transformation tunnel. And Sean, at the same time, while we're being transformed, we're being cooked, right? Right? We're all in the oven together, right? Our environment is like an oven. And so the things that we see are being, are being burned into us like a vase. You get a vase if, you paint, if you paint a picture on a vase, the way to make that picture a part of the vase is to put it in an oven. Then the picture becomes a part of the vase. You see, so the things that we see of the Lord, He puts us in the environment of heat and pressure so that we can experience Him and then that those very things that we see become us, become a part of us. So you can see this is what's happening with Sean, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so happy. Man, can you believe that? Four years, three and about three years ago. Oh, yeah, but, th- but those didn't last long. Those don't last long. That's, the, that's not your modus operandi anymore. You know, you know modus operandi? You know that, right? Your way of operating. Our way of operating is transformation. Transformation is a scenic life. You know, you go up, you go down, you go this way, you go that way. And then you might go, and then you go up, right? And that's, that's just, that's life, right? But while we're, while we're going through this scenic thing, we're passing through transformation. Eventually, we're conformed to His image. We're shaped to His image. And eventually, He glorifies us in His body. He's still migrating, you see? Then, then we get prepared to be His bride and we become absolutely one entity with Him. Amen. So in Revelation 22:17 it says, The Spirit and the bride say, say. That means they are one person. Then He steps off the bridge of time with us into eternity future. Amen. And we enjoy a marriage life with Him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. So, He's the migrating God of glory. Isn't that wonderful? And this is to make us my goodness, I'm still on the title. This is to make us this is to make us the Hebrews. The Hebrews, I think we were singing that song. I think that song is the the tune is the national anthem of Israel, isn't it? Am I right in saying that? Is that true? You know that song about the river crossers? Is is this true? Yeah, the national anthem of Israel. I I, I love that. Here we are singing the we're the real Israel of God, right? So we want to be the Hebrews. We want to be the river crossers. And we'll see this. This is for God's good pleasure. All right, now we'll come to the outline and we'll see this. Now, it says the first Hebrew was Abraham. He was the father of all those who contact God by faith. Therefore, God is called the God of the Hebrews. You are a Hebrew. Now, in Romans 4.12, we read this verse. Uh, it says that we need to walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Abraham is our spiritual father, and so we need to walk in the steps of his faith. So we are going to see the steps of the faith of our father Abraham and the steps that we need to walk in. The Christian life is the life that Abraham lived. 
I say that again. The Christian life, our Christian life, is the life that Abraham lived, and we need to walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. That is Romans 4.12. Now, A says, the root of the word Hebrew means to pass over. To pass over. It can mean specifically to pass over a river. That is, to pass over from this side of the river to the other side. Therefore, a Hebrew is a river crosser. You know, when you get baptized, you become a river crosser. It's wonderful. How many were baptized last night? Two were baptized. That's, that's the beginning of crossing the river. Crossing the river. Now, uh, saints, you don't have to open to your recovery version, but I would just like to read you a note about being a river crosser, just part of it. And this says uh, this. This is the reality of being a, a river crosser. We need to leave the law and cross over to grace. Amen. Leave the law. Let's leave the law this morning. Let's cross over to the enjoyment of God. We need to leave the old covenant and cross over to the new covenant. We need to leave the ritualistic service of the Old Testament and cross over to the spiritual reality of the New Testament. We need to leave Judaism and cross over to the church. We need to leave the earthly things and cross over to the heavenly things. You know, uh, saints... Uh, when we talk about degradation or the degradation out there, uh, what we're talking about is the degradation of a ritualistic system or a ritualistic service. So, see, this says we need to leave the ritualistic service of the Old Testament and cross over to the spiritual reality of the New Testament. Let me give you an example of this. Um, you see, in the Old Testament, you had the material temple, am I right? Where you had to go to a physical place to worship God. And so people say today, and we don't fault them for that, because, because we, we love all, all the brothers and sisters, we love all the believers, and it's just the mercy that we see what we see. But, but we need to have discernment. When people say, uh, uh, some people will say, well, let's go to church, or I go to that church. They mean the physical building, that the physical building is a church. You see, that's Judaism. That's degradation. The church is not a physical building. The church is us. We are His temple, right? Not only that, He is our temple. In Psalm 90, verse 1, it says, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. You know, one time I was on a flight and the stewardess asked me, she goes, where's your home? And... um, I said, uh, you know, I started thinking about it, and I was enjoying this verse, Psalm 90, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And I said, you know what? I just have to be real honest with you. My home is the Lord Jesus. Amen. And she said, praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, I just love that so much, that stewardess. She was a real sister, you know. And so, anyway, she'd come by with a cart, and we'd have a little fellowship, and then she'd go down, you know, anyway. <laughs> It was really good, really good. But you see, He's our home, He's our dwelling place, and we're His dwelling place. According to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, we are His dwelling place. So we don't have a material temple. God is our temple, and we are His temple. We abide in Him, He abides in us. Do you see that? We have to leave that ritualism. Are you with me? Okay, now, in Judaism also, you have earthly blessings. You have earthly blessings. But in the New Testament, what we have is spiritual blessings. All our blessings in the New Testament are spiritual. Our blessing, we have seen, is the triune God, right? All the blessings in the New Testament are spiritual. They're not physical. Um, Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, to me, this, uh, this gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, to me, it makes me very sad, uh, to hear this kind of gospel because that is not the gospel of the New Testament. The gospel of the New Testament is the gospel of God. Amen. And, and we're not here for earthly blessings. We're here to be blessed with the triune God. Amen. You know, one time someone asked Brother Nee a question and they asked Brother Nee, um, if I believe in the Lord Jesus, will the Lord fill my rice bowl? Will the Lord fill my rice bowl? And, and Brother Nee answered, answered this person, 
When you believe in the Lord Jesus, the rice bowl is broken. The rice bowl is broken. In other words, He won't fill your rice bowl. He'll break your rice bowl. Right? So that you, so that you don't depend on anything but Him. So that He becomes your supreme enjoyment. And so that when you have Him, you have everything. You know, brothers and sisters, th- these two statements have really been with me very much these days. And this is very, very simple. But, but I, I, I wrote this in, in my journal. I have it in my room. And uh, actually, you know, it's from two different footnotes, sentences. And that's this. Saints, if we have God's presence, we have everything. If you have God's presence, you have everything. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what your physical bank account is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. If you have God's presence, which is God's smile, you have everything. But I would say the converse. If you lose God's presence, you lose everything. So, God lives in us, but we want His presence, right? We want His smile. We don't want to miss His smile in this age. His smile is His presence. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just love Your presence. And we should pray, Lord, I never want to lose Your presence. I never want to lose Your presence. Okay, so you have the earthly blessings. Then you have the law. You have a code of do's and don'ts. In many places that, you know, many places in in a ritualistic system, there's a law there. There's a code of do's. You should do this and you shouldn't do that. You should do this and you shouldn't do that. Well, but in the New Testament, there's not that. We don't have a code of do's and don'ts in the church life. What we have is the law of the spirit of life. We have, we have the spirit in us as an innate automatic function, not only transforming us and shaping us into his image, but also regulating us, regulating us. You see, this, this life in us regulates us. It's a, it's a, actually, he himself is our law. Christ himself is our law. You know, he will regulate every area of our life. We might, we might want to go to a place and all of a sudden we'll be bothered. And it's the Lord speaking to us. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't go to that place. You know, He'll even regulate us in the way, in the way that we, uh, our appearance, the way we comb our hair. You know, it's amazing. You know, I always share this. Uh, it's amazing to me. I have four boys. And when they were little, I always had to tell them, comb your hair, comb your hair. You know, their hair is just like this, you know. And then by the time they get into junior high, you don't have to tell them to comb their hair. You have to tell them, stop combing your hair. <laughs> stop combing your hair. You know, and they use this, they use this L.A. gel. I'm, I'm from L.A. You know, you could be in a wind tunnel and your hair just like, mm. throw a bowling ball, drop a bowling ball on your boom, and it just, you know. And, and so, um, uh, <laughs> and then there's the sisters. Then there's the sisters. And the sisters like to brush their hair, right? And sometimes they even brush one another's hair. And they, <laughs> and they can brush their hair for 30 minutes. But they said, oh, I only have one minute to spend with the Lord. I only have a few minutes. But you can brush your hair for 30 minutes, you see. Well, we need to be adjusted. How long does the Lord want you to brush? I'm not saying you shouldn't brush your hair. Uh, in fact, I'm saying, I'm saying both. I'm saying we have to be proper human beings. We have to have a divine dignity about us. You see, we're the ambassadors of Christ. So, uh, we should brush our hair, but there should be a limit to how much we brush our hair, right? Because we have to save time to enjoy the Lord. The same with the brothers. They should comb... You know, you know, if I came in here this morning and my hair was like Albert Einstein, you know, none of you would get anything. None of you would get, you, you'd just be looking at my hair and going, man, I, 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 it, it must be so windy out there. In the what, what happened to Brother Ed? What happened to Brother Ed? Uh, he's supposed to be in L.A. and use L.A. gel. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's... Lord, Lord, let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. You know, you would be concerned about me, right? So see, no, I'm really serious about this. He regulates us. We're ambassadors of Christ. You see, I don't expect you to 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 be like me or to or to dress the way I am. I'm an older brother. You're you're all younger people, right? 
But the Lord will regulate even the way you dress. He'll regulate the way you dress. And again, I'm an older brother. You're younger people. You, you have to dress like a young person. I have to dress the way, I, the way I dress according to the peace that I have. But, you know, I remember being in the church life and I came into a meeting and I had a t-shirt on and I had something on that t-shirt. I won't tell you what it was. No one said anything to me about you shouldn't wear that, you shouldn't do that. And I was sitting on the front row and all of a sudden it felt like there was a spotlight on my t-shirt, just like a spotlight. And we were praying and I went like this. I just went like this and covered the Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Right after the prayer meeting, I ran, I ran out of the meeting. I didn't want any of the saints to, you know, this, we're in the holy place, you know. So I took that t-shirt and I just threw it in the trash can. I threw it in the trash can. Uh, anyway, the Lord will deal with us. You see what I mean? He is our regulating law. He'll deal with our, you know, you know one time, one time Brother Lee asked me, he goes, Ed, how long do you take to comb your hair? He said this to me in a meeting. Can you imagine that? There's like a thousand people there. And he's talking, he's talking about this, about the Lord being the law of life. And he said, Ed, I'm sitting right here. How long do you take to comb your hair? And I'm like, where's my heart medicine? You know what I mean? I'm like, Lord Jesus. You know, you know, cause I don't think about it. I just don't think about it that much. And so, and you know, when you get older, you get these gray hairs and they do not come under, under any kind of headship. You know what I mean? They just, it just, you know, it's terrible when you get gray hair. It's just like, whew. You know, in the millennium, they'll come under the Lord's headship, I believe. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, I started considering, and I said, Lord Jesus, I want it. Lord, I have to tell the truth. What? And I said, well, brother, I'd say about a minute and a half, about a minute and a half. And he said, very good. And I went, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know how... <laughs> You see, we, we have to be, anyway, do you see, do you see my point, brothers and sisters? We have to be balanced. But my point is, is do things according to the life and peace within you. The life and peace, the regulating law of the spirit of life. Now the fourth thing in a religious system is a mediatorial class. A mediatorial class. And a mediatorial class is where you have, you have a pastor, and you have the congregation. Well, we have, this is a ministry meeting. But our church meetings aren't like this, right? We still need ministry meetings like this. But we also need church meetings where everyone functions. Where everyone functions. Well, we don't want a clergy laity system where just a few function and the rest don't function. We're, we don't have a choir here, right? Aren't you glad we're the choir? Amen. Now, you might be singing next to a brother who's tone deaf. You know, don't worry about that. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm always, not always, you know. I mean, Bill, Bill's a marvelous singer, you know. Uh, I enjoy his singing when I sit next to him. But some brothers I sit next to, it's all the same thing, you know. All, it's, it's the same tone, you know. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. You know, it's the same, you know, they... they, they but, it's, but the Lord loves that. The Lord loves to hear us sing. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? We can make a joyful noise to Him. And so all of us are singers. All of us need to be singers, right? All of us need to function. Do you sing to the Lord? Do you sing to the Lord? You know, again, a, a, a lot of you know me. You've heard me tell these stories. But I love Dick, Brother Dick Taylor because... Oh, he was here last year. And because he's always singing, right? And, and right in the middle of his message, he'll just... Right? It's like the sound of music. He'll just break out. He'll just break out in song. Am I right? It's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. That, that's Dick's function. I mean, he is just... If he were in the temple in the Old Testament, he would be one of the singers. He would be one of the singers. Uh... You know, I, I told this story. Dick and I were in Russia together, and we were in different rooms. And there was a, uh, it was a wall between our room. And I was in this bed, and Dick was in the bed on the other side of the wall. And, uh, oh, in Russia, and Bill knows this, uh, you know, the, the jet lag is so terrible because it's just the opposite, you know. So I woke up, and I was just, oh, Lord, you know, just trying to, you know, uh, get out of sleep, contact the Lord. 
all of a sudden I hear this singing through the wall directed at me, Jesus, Lord, you're our first love. Then I went, you're the one we love the best. Then Dick went, when our heart is loving you. And we sang, we sang together. It was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. Listen, when you travel with Dick, you will enjoy the Lord. You will enjoy the Lord. You said, you said, oh, I'm not going to enjoy the Lord. You, you enjoy the Lord. You enjoy the Lord. <laughs> okay, so there's no mediatorial class. Isn't that wonderful? And, and don't you enjoy... How about the testimonies last night? Were they wonderful or what? They were just wonderful. Oh, I tell you, we're going to have a lot more, a lot more this morning. All right, now, so we don't have any kind of a mediatorial class. We have to leave all those things. Now, B says, apparently Abraham journeyed into Canaan, but actually the God of glory appeared to him and then removed him. Look at this. And then removed him across the Euphrates River into the good land. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know if you've ever noticed in Acts 7, 2 and 3, it says the God of glory appeared to him and then the God of glory actually removed him into the good land. Re, I use this word, re-moved. That's migration. Re-moved. Re-moved him. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, and when, when, when uh, Abraham went in the, into the good land, he had a particular calling. And that was, uh, you know, the good land signifies the all-inclusive Christ. You've got the holy land. You've got the holy city. You've got the holy temple. The holy land signifies the all-inclusive Christ as the all-inclusive spirit for our enjoyment. And the holy temple signifies the church as the house of God. And the, the uh, holy city signifies the church as the kingdom of God. So we need to enjoy the all-inclusive Christ for the building up of the church as the house of God and the kingdom of God. This was Abraham's calling. Now in C, uh, brothers and sisters, this comes from Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, it is so marvelous. You have this verse in Ezekiel, uh, verses 4 and 5. It talks about the wind, the cloud, the fire, and the electrum. And the wind is blowing. The wind revives us. Oh, we need the Spirit to blow on us like the wind this morning so that we'd be revived. We need the Spirit to blow on us every day, not just to be breathed into us, but to blow upon us. We need the reviving wind. And then after the reviving wind comes the sanctifying and purifying fire of the triune God. You see, this weekend, we're enjoying the reviving wind of the Spirit. And I believe this weekend, there's been some sanctifying going on. There's been some burning going on to burn out some impurities in our being, to sanctify us, to separate us unto God, to make us holy positionally and dispositionally. So you have the wind, you have the cloud, I'm sorry, you have the cloud. After the wind, you have the cloud. And the cloud visits us. And this cloud gives us grace. It's a grace-giving cloud. And so you have the wind, you have the cloud. The cloud stays with us. The cloud hovers over us. The cloud saturates us. The cloud fills us. And this cloud gives us God as our enjoyment. So this is a grace-giving cloud. Then after the cloud, you have the burning and sanctifying fire then out of that fire comes something called the electrum. And the electrum is an amalgam. It's an amalgam of gold and silver. And gold signifies the triune God in His divine nature. Silver signifies Christ as the God-man in His redemption. So this electrum signifies the redeeming, shining God-man who wants to shine Himself into our being. Okay, let let me read this now. This says all this. God's appearing as the God of glory is His vivifying us by coming to us as the blowing and reviving wind, the covering and grace-giving cloud, and the purifying and sanctifying fire, so that we can have the glowing electrum, the radiant, redeeming God-man shined into our being to make us the four living creatures. And who are these four living creatures? They are the coordinating members of the body of Christ 
for God's manifestation, move, and administration. Isn't that wonderful? So this is what we need to be a Hebrew, a real Hebrew. Now, let's read Roman numeral 2 together. How about If we would walk... You see, we live the life of the altar and the tent. And the altar, intrinsically, the life of the altar and the tent is the life of Christ and the church. On the burnt offering altar, actually this was called the altar of burnt offering in the outer court, all the offerings were offered there. The, the, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering. You have the wave offering, the heave offering, the drink offering. All signify different aspects of Christ as our unique offering. So you, you could say that altar signifies Christ in, with all His unsearchable riches for our enjoyment and as our way into God, into the tabernacle. Amen. Now, also you have the tent. The church is a tent. We, and we are tent dwellers. So the intrinsic significance of Christ and the church is the altar and the tent. Now, if we are going to be Abraham, a real Abraham, we need to live such a life of the altar and the tent We need to be transfused by God. We need to consecrate our all to God. That is the altar. That happens on the altar. We need to migrate with God. We need to take His presence as our road map. His presence is our road map. You know, saints, I love these these GPS systems. You know, uh, when you go to Japan and you go to Tokyo, uh, I've been going to Japan now. My goodness, it must be... Where's Ruthie at? Ruth, where are you? How long have we been going to? How long have I been going to Japan? About nine years. Yeah, nine or ten years. I've been going to Japan nine or ten years now. And when I went there nine or ten years ago, I noticed, man, every car—it doesn't matter what car it is—every car has one of those GPS systems in in Tokyo. Because if you're going to drive in Tokyo, you need a global positioning satellite. Believe me, believe me. I mean. Listen, if you can pass driver training school in Tokyo, you can drive anywhere in the world. You can drive on Mars even, I think. I mean, Tokyo is just, oh my, I love, anyway, I love the church in Tokyo. I encourage you all to go there. But saints, God's, oh, and I love those GPS systems when you're driving down, you know, you punch in the thing, and a voice comes there, and it says, in, in .5 miles, turn right. Right? It does that, right? And it says, Turn right, turn right, turn right. And then if you don't turn right, it goes, oh, you missed it. No, it doesn't, it doesn't do that. No, it doesn't do that. It goes, okay. Then it, then it, then it repositions, right? It, re, it doesn't do that. It doesn't say, oh, you missed it, right? It, re, <laughs> it repositions. And then it, then it will tell you, okay, go down here. It won't, in other words, it won't let you stray from your goal. And isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we have the Lord's presence, and, and brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm saying this. I don't, know, I don't know where a lot of you are. A lot of you are graduating from college, and the Lord might be speaking to you to go to the full-time training. Follow that speaking. If He is speaking in your spirit to go to the full-time training, just go. Just go. You will have the flow. It will say, full-time training, 0.5 miles, turn right. Hallelujah. You will be so happy. You will be so... I'm just using that as an example. You see, what if the Lord wants us eventually to, to, to move to Russia? You know, which Bill... Bill was, was the, lived in Russia for a while. I mean, that's not easy. But he took the Lord's presence as his traveling map. I mean, you don't go to Russia for the... For the back then, especially when the wall first came down, you don't go to Russia for, to take a vacation in 1990... What, 1991, you don't go to Russia to take a, you would not go to Russia to take a vacation. You would not. When Dick and I were in Russia, we lost so much weight. You could not find a restaurant anywhere. That was 90, 93, 93, yeah. 93, Dick and I went to Russia. It was so funny. Brother Lee called all the coworkers in the room, then we were praying together. 
And then he said, oh, how about, he said, oh, it seems really good if Dick and Ed would go to Russia. And then, he, and then Brother Lee looked at us and he goes, this is December. He said, you know, this is December. We're having this fellowship. He goes, have a nice vacation in Russia. In January. And then he laughed. He laughed. You know? <laughs> so, so we went to Russia, you know, and you couldn't find it. You, could, you couldn't just walk out the door and say, oh, I'm going to go to this restaurant. There weren't any restaurants, right? And the bread where we were was so hard. The bread, you know, there were, there were like bread lines, right? Bill, where you had to stand in line. Line, people were short of food. And so at the place where the trainees stayed, they had, there was bread. That bread was so hard that if I, if I threw it at you and hit you in the head, it would knock you out. It just boom. You know, so, so here Dick, it was, some of it was really hard. I'm not kidding you. I mean, and Dick and I, Dick and I, I was so happy that Bonnie packed all these cans of tuna for him. His suitcase was filled with tuna. Tuna cans. You know, that's why he had a big suitcase. And so we would come home late at night after the gospel meetings. We're preaching the gospel, right, Bill? And it's snowing, you know, and, and, uh, and, and you know, you don't have time to eat. And so, you know, we're walking back in the snow and everything. And then we get back to our room, and Dick gets that little can opener and opens up the tuna can. He goes, Ed, come on over here. And we had those little wooden spoons, and we were eating the tuna. We thought, oh, this is delicious. <laughs> and then when I got home, I told Ruth, I said, Ruth, buy some tuna. <laughs> and, and, but, it, but it didn't taste that delicious anymore. You know what I mean? Because so we were starving, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, Dick and, <laughs> and Dick and I lost so much weight. And one of the sisters saw us, she says, oh, it's so good that Ed and Dick lost so much weight. Keep that weight off. Keep that way, but anyway, praise the Lord. Anyway, but now Russia's entirely different, right, Bill? It's modern. There's, there's, you know, restaurants and everything. But my point is, is I I used Brother Bill as an example, and I I, I say this under the Lord's covering, covering of, of the Lord's blood. Bill is a pattern of a person who takes the Lord's presence as his traveling map. He's a pattern. He's a real pattern. He moved to Russia. That's not easy to do. Now, why would you do that? It's because you love the Lord, and all that matters to you supremely is His presence. If His presence is leading you to Russia, you go to Russia. If His presence is leading you to take this course, you take this course in college. If His presence is leading you to, you know, to serve the Lord full-time, you serve the Lord full-time. His presence leads you to graduate school, you go to graduate school. His presence says no. I want you to go to the full-time training first. You say, Amen, Lord. And then I tell you, you will be the happiest Christian in the world. And I, and I really mean that. I really mean that. Oh, Lord. Looking at the time. Anyway, hey, no matter what happens in this first session, we got started late. We're going to have plenty of, lots of time in the second session for, for testimony. So, um, uh, you know... Um, I just give you maybe a little personal testimony. I, I just pray that this is okay. Lord, cover me. But you know, when I was a, when I was a little, just a boy, um, I used to read all these all these little biographies of Abraham Lincoln. You know, and I really love Abraham Lincoln. And so I'd read biographies of him. Even I, I've read I've read so much about Abraham Lincoln. Even even you know up to the present, read a lot of books about Abraham Lincoln. And when I, when I was a boy, when I was, you know, 11, 12, uh, I read Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer. So I wanted to be a lawyer. I just had this, you know, I want to be like Abraham Lincoln. I want to be a lawyer. And so, uh, now, now don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand me, okay? Uh, I, I'll just tell you the story, but I don't want you to misunderstand me. The point is, is we have to follow the Lord's presence. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so uh, I got saved. I got saved, I came in the church life, and then I had this desire, and it was in my natural being, to go to law school. So I applied to law school. And uh, I even, you, you know, you have to put down money to get a seat in law school. You, you know what I'm saying? 
I forget how much it was then. It wasn't, what was it, Ruth? $100 or something like that? It was $100. $100 was a lot to Ruth and I back then. So I put $100 down, have my seat to go to law school, and you know what the Lord said to me? No. No. I don't want you to go to law school. And I tried to go. I put down that $100. And actually, even before I put down the $100, the Lord was saying, no, don't go. Don't go. And I tried to go against the Lord. But thank the Lord when you love the Lord and you stay, you keep talking to Him. You keep talking to Him. You say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you know. You know that since I was 12, I've been dreaming about this, you know. And then the Lord said, no, Ed, no, I I don't want you. This is not my perfect will for you. It's not my perfect will. So I said, okay, I dropped it. Gave up. We gave up the $100. Then you know what I did? I tried to do it again. I tried to do it again. And I applied again. And I put another, I had, I had a seat again, right, Ruth? I had a seat again. I said, oh, maybe that wasn't the Lord. Maybe that GPS system was my own GPS system. You know, but that wasn't, that wasn't, that was the Lord, right? So, so I put down the $100 again. And you know what happened? The Lord said, no, no, no. And so I said, okay, Lord, you win. So that was it. And I'm so thankful that the Lord defeated me. That the, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to law school. Don't get me wrong. If it's the Lord's will, perfect will for you to go to law school, then you should go to law school. If it's your, it, the point is, is what is the GPS, God's present satellite? What is the inward God's present satellite, which is God's present speaking, GPS, right? What is, what is, that, what is that inner presence telling you to do? You see what I'm saying? What major does, what does he want you to major in? You see, he might want you to major in a certain things. But maybe you, in your natural man, you want to major in something else. He, want, he wants you to major here. I'm telling you, if I wouldn't have, if the Lord wouldn't have defeated me, that would have been a big tragedy in my life. I wouldn't have been here with you. Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a tragedy, Tice, if I couldn't be here to see you? You're glad I'm here, right? I'm glad you're here too, brother. I'm glad you're here. No, I wouldn't. I don't know where I would be. You see what I mean? But I wouldn't be in... The, the GPS would have had the big detour, and then, and then, I don't know, and then it would have had to say, okay, we're going to have to go to another spot now. You know what I mean. You, you see the point. You see the point. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I want your perfect will. And if you have a problem with that, say, Lord, pray Philippians 2.13 and say, Lord, operate in me the willing for your good pleasure. Operate in me the willing and the working for your good pleasure. Even you could pray this, Lord, make me willing to be willing. Make me willing to be willing to follow your perfect will, not your, not your permissive will, your perfect will. Okay, now under Roman numeral 2... We have A. A says, The Lord Jesus appeared to Abraham as the great I Am, the God of glory, to transfuse Himself into Abraham. We need to come again and again to the Lord and beseech Him. Appear to me, Lord. Appear to me again and again. Speak to me again and again. Listen, don't be discouraged. Abraham, he left the GPS and went down to Egypt. We'll see that. But the Lord brought him back. The Lord is merciful. The Lord brought him back. Uh, thank the Lord. Saints, I, I, want you to, I want you to get this. Just keep talking to the Lord. Amen. Talk to Him sincerely. Be sincere with Him. Be real with Him. He knows what you're thinking anyway, right? You can't hide anything from Him. He knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're thinking. Just have a conversation with Him. And then he will have a way in you to defeat you. If he defeats you, you win. Are you with me? If he conquers us, we win. If we defeat him, we lose. We want to be conquered by him. We want to be his captives, right? In his triumphal procession. We need to have a continuous seeing, an eternal seeing of what the goal of God is. C, God's appearing and transfusing issue in our living by faith and our consecration, causing us to build an altar 
and live totally for God and for His perfect will to build up the church as the body of Christ. All saints, I tell you, we need to have an utter consecration to Christ for the building up of the church. You will not be happy unless you consecrate your whole life to the Lord for the building up of the church. Saints, I say again, don't hold anything back. Don't hold anything back. You should say, Lord, I take you as my burnt offering. I consecrate my time to you. I consecrate my being to you. I consecrate my possessions to you. I consecrate every penny that I have to you. I consecrate my future to you. I consecrate my coursework to you. I consecrate the decisions I have to make to you. I give my all to you, Lord. And this is for the building up of your body, for the preparation of your bride. Then you will be the most blessed person. The most blessed person. D, an altar is for worshiping God by offering all that we are and have to God for His purpose. Building an altar means that our life is for God, that God is our life, and that the meaning of our life is God. Isn't that wonderful? The meaning of our life is God. Praise the Lord. Roman numeral 3. Now, this is really good. Abraham built three altars in three places. Shechem, Bethel, and Hebron. These three places represent the good land, typifying the all-inclusive Christ as the all-inclusive Spirit. And I'll read, the verses are here to read, so it's good. I'll read this to you. It says, And Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And Jehovah appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I will give this land. And there he built an altar to Jehovah who had appeared to him. You see, when the Lord appears to you, brothers and sisters, before we leave here, all of us need to build an altar to the Lord. That means, that means we just, that means that we consecrate everything to the Lord. When we leave here, we should not leave here without having an utter consecration to God of all that we are for the building up of the church. Don't hold anything back. You know, Psalm 43, 4. Do you see that verse there? Psalm 43, 4. It says, I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. So, the altar of God and God are synonyms. The way to go to God is to go to the altar of God. And who is God? God is our exceeding joy. How does He become our exceeding joy? He becomes our exceeding joy by our going to the altar of God and taking Him mainly as our burnt offering. Saints, remember, we're not absolute, but He is absolute. As the burnt offering, Christ is the one who is 100% for God. And so we can take Him as our absoluteness and we can consecrate ourselves to God. Now, one says Shechem means shoulder, the place of strength. The name Mora means teacher or teaching. Abraham journeyed to a land where he could receive God as his power. That's the place of strength. And where he could know God by having the healthy teaching of God's economy. Then two, the power of the good land is the power of life that satisfies man. The power of the flowing triune God to know Christ inwardly so that we may become and build up the new Jerusalem. That's the significance of Shechem. And I I don't have uh, much time, so I'll just read that. Okay, now B. Here's the second altar. And he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to Jehovah and called upon the name of Jehovah. So you see, you have a tent. That means when you have a tent, that means you're movable, right? You're not set, settled, and occupied. You know, when you, when you get older, like me, you have a tendency to have a chair at home. And that is your chair. You know, my dad was like that. My dad sat in this chair. He would come home from work, and it was his chair. And I remember I would sit in the chair when he wasn't there, and then my mom would say, your dad's coming, and I would get out of the chair. I would get out of the chair. I tell you, and now I find myself like that. 
I come down, and one of my boys in the chair, I said, come on, that's my chair. Come on. You know? <laughs> Listen, we... We have a tendency to be set, settled, and occupied. Don't ever become set. Don't ever become settled. Don't ever become occupied. Always allow the Lord to make you a movable being. You're a sojourner, you see. And so we can move with Him. And we can pitch our tent. We can build an altar. We can call upon the name of Jehovah. One, Bethel means house of God, and Ai means a heap of ruins. In the eyes of the called ones, only Bethel, the church life, the body life, is worthwhile. Everything else is a heap of ruins. Everything other than the church life is a heap of ruins. Don't think, don't, don't be uh, glamorized by, by places. I don't care what place it is. Uh, educational institute, we need to get the best education. But, but on the other hand, we need to have, we need, we need to have the real, realization that that's a heap of ruins too. That I'm going there. The reason why I'm going there is to be trained by the Lord so that my whole being can be brought into death and resurrection to be useful to the body of Christ. Amen. You see what I mean? But we need to realize that everything out there is a heap of ruins. It doesn't matter whether you're at the top of the heap, the middle of the heap, you are still in a heap of ruins. You know, in the, Old Te- in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Satan was called two things, Beelzebub and Beelzebul. And Beelzebub means the Lord of the flies. And Beelzebul means the Lord of the dunghill. That's who Satan is. He's the Lord of the flies. Listen, when, before, you, before we were regenerated, you know what we were? We were flies. I don't like flies. Do you, do you like flies? My boys always tease me. I, I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm studying, studying the Bible or studying the ministry. And, um, and uh, Ruthie knows this. The boys laugh about this. I, I hear a fly buzzing. Bzzz, right away, I said, we got to get that fly. We gotta, I just stop everything. And I get out the fly swatter, you know. I'm looking for that fly. Oh, my goodness. There's not going to be any flies in the millennial kingdom. He's, you would never have a pet fly, right? I mean, it's just, oh, the Lord of the fly. And the, how about the Lord of the dunghill? Listen, everything other than Christ is dung. Is dung. And again, it doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm the CEO. Well, you're at the top of the dunghill. There's no CEOs in the church life. Let me just tell you that. You know, somebody, somebody brought in, uh, s- said something one time, and it was really off. said, we want to make you CEOs in the church life. Well, we don't have CEOs in the church life. We have SOGs, slaves of God. Amen. Sons of God, you could say, too. But we're, we're slaves, right? We're servants. CEOs. Oh, my goodness. The CEO is in the dunghill. Am I right? Is everybody with me? Now you've got an extra hour of sleep. You guys should be like this. It's three hours different for me. You realize that? It's like 7.15 a.m. in California right now. I see some of you... I get concerned when I see someone like. That's okay. If you're sleeping, the best place to sleep is in a meeting. Best place to sleep. Really. Sometimes a brother will be sleeping, and all of a sudden he'll wake up, and he'll get something. It'll change his life. Really. Really, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> Praise the Lord. I sympathize with you because I'm in the same boat. Okay, two. The desolate heap includes our natural life. Only after our natural life has been dealt with by God 
And only after we have been subdued to realize that the natural life should be judged rather than praised will we be joined spontaneously to the brothers and sisters to live out the life of the body of Christ. Saints, in these verses, there's only three things we can boast in. We can't boast in our natural life. You know, we have a tendency to boast in our natural life. And the Lord, I've been really convicted about this. Only, you see, the natural life should be judged rather than praised, you know? You know, when you get older, again, I have four boys. I have four boys. And so, you want your boys to just think that, sometimes you want your sons to think you're a hero. You know what I mean? That you were just, you know, and so, you know, my boys, I might say, oh, I hit this home run. It went so far, you know, and, you know, went down to the other field. They couldn't find the ball. Actually, it didn't go that far. You know what I mean? It didn't go. If you, if you really went back, you know what I'm saying. As you get older, the home run gets farther. You know what I mean? <laughs> Saints, our natural life is not to be praised. It's to be judged. It's to be judged. You know, um, before I was saved, um, you know, I, I, you know, there's all kind of balls out there, right? There's oblong balls. There's balls like this. There's little balls like this, like that. They're that they're in New York and Philadelphia are using a ball like this. And then there's small balls like this, and there's all kind of beach balls and medicine balls. And where did all these balls come from? You know, and, and uh, everybody is, you know, and don't get me wrong, rec- there's nothing wrong with recreation. We need recreation. But we don't need to make these things into a golden calf. You follow me. You follow me. See, one of these balls was, was my golden calf at one time. One, and believe it or not, it was a round ball. It wasn't an oblong ball. I always say I used to play this sport 50 pounds ago. Not years ago, you know, it goes by, <laughs> actually it's probably more pounds than that, you know. But anyway, a long time, I was a lot thinner, you know. So, but that ball was not a recreation to me. Recreation is good. We need recreation uh, for our health and everything. But that ball was a golden calf to me. It was my idol, I-D-O-L. And... Uh, I still remember, my goodness, there were, there were just some times when, when I, just, uh, I just started thinking, man, is this what life is about, putting a ball through a hoop? You know, what am I, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? You know, um, I'm just so thankful the Lord had mercy on me. That, that's, all, that's all I'll say. I'm so thankful the Lord had mercy on me. You know, um, oh, my goodness. You know, we were gonna, we were gonna, we we had a season, and we were gonna play our opening game against UCLA, and to play against UCLA back then, actually, Bill was at UCLA. Uh, to play UCLA, listen, let me tell you how good UCLA was. The second best team in the country was the second team of UCLA that the first team played in practice. Did, did you get that? Okay, I'm not, I'm not boasting in that. I, want, I just want you to get the fact. You know what I mean? In other words, they were they were so good that it was they were off the charts. So uh, that summer, I was just I was just oh I was just looking forward to playing in Pauley Pavilion and playing against UCLA and and maybe maybe John Wooden would say, boy, that guy's really good, you know. Uh, but see, this is it was an idol to me. You see what I mean? It was an idol to me. And and it, it was God. It was God to me, you know. That's horrible. And so uh, um, anyway, you know, I, I worked out. You know, ran up mountains. You know, doing all kind of things. Uh, just looking to that one game, and and let alone the whole season. And then the first week of practice, the first week of practice, the ball came through the hoop. I got the ball, and I felt something just pop in my knee. It just went. And oh, I just my knee just tore, the cartilage tore, probably the ligaments, everything just tore, and so I had to have major surgery on that knee. But you know, you know what my mother said? 
She said, I knew when that happened, that was the finger of God on you. That was the hand of God. You know, you have the finger of God and the hand of God. She said both. She said, this is the hand of God. She said, I knew that that was the hand of God. And you know, it was the hand of God. Because the Lord just wrecked that. Wrecked that with a big, like a big crane. <sighs> wrecked it. And you know what? I was in the hospital. And you know who the nurse that took care of me was? Ruthie. How about that? What's better than that? She was a student nurse. She was a student nurse, and she, she was assigned to me. I think that she may have, she may have pulled some strings to get assigned to me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Did you, Ruth? Ruthie goes like this. <laughs> Anyway, I'm so thankful. You know, forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful I met Ruth. You know, she prayed for me. You know, she prayed for me to get saved. And I got saved. And that, and that, that was a big, the Lord had it. That was a big project to get me saved. Big, big project. Uh, she would talk to me about the Lord. And, you know, oh, man, I was a head case. You know, just... I, I I could I could argue with I was like Saul of Tarsus on the campus. Uh, Christians would see me and they would just oh they would just here he comes you know, and I would say you know and it wasn't it wasn't that I would mistreat them, but but you know I I just felt it was this is so superficial what you're talking about, going to heaven and what are you going to do there play harps for eternity and I'd ask him that I'd ask him questions like this I said where are the dinosaurs in the Bible. Well, if I would ask Bill that, he would be able to answer me. He'd be able to, they're between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, right? Oh, my goodness. I tell you, in the recovery, we have, you see, when you talk about creationism, that's against the Bible. And that doesn't make sense. And so when you do that, people think, oh, these people are so superficial and they're so, but, but the recovery is filled with, with, with brilliant people. I mean, all of you. All of you, when you read the Word, you become wiser than all your instructors, it says. Anyway, I'm so glad I, I met Ruth. Ruth prayed for me, and um, I got saved. And then I told Ruth about the church life, and she came in the church life. And then we got married, and now, amen, happily ever after in the church life. It's too wonderful. Too wonderful. The Lord was so merciful. So merciful. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to come back to this point. Now, now, okay, what should we boast in? Look, number one, we boast in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 3.3. 3. Number two, we boast in the cross. That's Galatians 6.14-15. through 15. And number three, we boast in our weaknesses. How about that? Paul says, most gladly will I boast in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ might tabernacle over me. We don't boast in our strength. Oh, I'm so powerful. I'm so this. I'm so gifted. I'm so this. No, we boast in our weaknesses. We, what we say is, I am utterly helpless without the Lord. Utterly helpless. I can't do one single thing apart from Him. Apart from Him, I'm useless. I'm useless. So we boast in Christ Jesus. We boast in the cross. And we boast in our weaknesses. Isn't that pure and precious? Okay, now, see... See, says, and Abram, Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to Jehovah. Hebron means fellowship, communion, or friendship. Mamre means strength or fatness with riches for transfusion, infusion, suffusion, saturation, permeation, and infiltration. By the sealing spirit. Amen. You know what infiltration means? That means that means there's parts of our being that's enemy territory. It has to be infiltrated by the spirit. Amen. I tell you, did you get some infiltration this weekend? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh Lord, infiltrate us. 
Okay, two. Eventually at Hebron, Abram's tent became a place where he had fellowship with God, where God could fellowship with him. If we have seen the house of God, the church as the body of Christ, we will do everything in fellowship with God and with one another. Saints, do everything in fellowship with God. Don't do one thing apart from talking to Him. Consult with Him about everything and fellowship with, with the brothers and sisters. First, fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. Then in Hebron, God was revealed to Abraham as the God in His human friendship so that He might gain him to be His intercessor, listen to this, for the rescue of His backslidden believers. That is Lot. For the bringing forth of Christ. That's typified by Isaac. And for the destruction of the works of the devil and his chosen people. That's signified by Sodom. You see? So, this is what we need to do. Now, uh, Ricky, I'm just about out of time. Should we... uh, What should we do? Should we take a break and then maybe come back? I could finish this outline. Or should we have some... Should we have some testimonies now? And then... What do you feel is best? Okay, good. How, by, by twos, or what, what do you think? Okay, how about, how about we do this, saints? Now, 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 now listen to me. In the next session, we're going to have lots of time for your fellowship, especially over these last two sessions. And I'll pick up where I left off on this outline, and then we'll continue into the next outline. But let's pray by twos and threes uh, over something that touched us, and then the brothers will tell us when to come back, okay? All right.